The Pace Line Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash paceline to support the show and learn more. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. Nothing stops the pace line, not even a crash, minutes before showtime. I'm pretty scraped up. Uh, I'll be interested to go take a look at myself in the mirror after this podcast because I'm going to guess that I have a pretty good shiner in my left eye. And we talk bucket list rides with a friend who turned his 50th year into a bike and travel adventure. Sarah, my girlfriend, asked me what I was going to do. I'm like, well, I'm riding 50 miles in every state. Well, what direction are you going to go? I'm like, I don't know. But I'm going to go north, <laughs> and then I'm going to go south, and uh, kind of ho- you know, hopscotched around. I also use it as an opportunity to meet up with uh, past friends uh, and kind of reconnect with what's going on around the country. Paceline, the podcast on two wheels, Patrick, Hottie, and Fatty. This is show number 91 of the official podcast of Red Kite Prayer. And of course, if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. For example, if you buy your podcasts on Compact Disc, please subscribe to our program. I have no idea where that came from. I'm ad-libbing, and I shouldn't be. How you doing, Hottie? I am doing uh, markedly better. Um, actually, oh, that's back, awesome. Yeah, back on the bicycle, which is great. Did yay. my yay? Did my first legitimate ride uh, here a few days ago? A whole sixty miles, four hours at a leisurely pace. Shoulder held nice. up well. Rode the new independent fabrication. Um, got uh, some of the you know started tweaking it, getting it to where I like it. So really feeling oh. good. Good. The shoulders come coming along good. I'm, uh, I would say I'm a couple weeks away from some bona fide dirt, some real rough roads, which I prefer, but gosh. Was bona fide a pun? I just, just want to check on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little play on words there. Getting a little Very funny nice. already. Very nice. Very nice. And how about you, Patrick? How are you doing, man? Uh, you know... I'm kind of coming off the afterglow of a very fun day in Mendocino County yesterday. Went up to do some mountain biking with friends who are spending the week up there. And, uh, you know, it was a nice, pleasant ride, but not super impressive until toward the end of the ride, we hit this one trail and my mind just exploded with dopamine. It was so fun, really flowy, terrific descent. The moment we got to the bottom, we were like, okay, let's ride up the fire road and hit that thing again. So, Uh, yeah. I've had them feelings before. I tell you what, that is what makes us go riding two days in a row and three days in a row Mm -hmm. and so forth. Wait, what what is up with you? (laughs) Well, as you guys know, but our listeners won't, um, I had to 
send a quick text message asking if we could start the podcast a few minutes late today because I needed to scrub the dirt out of my wounds. Um, yep, yep. I uh, just got off a ride uh, and I... Um, backing up a little bit <laughs> because this story's super fresh guys <laughs> just like your wounds wound. oh uh just like the wounds i so uh we are having just incredible weather here in alpine utah and if you are not on a mountain bike riding corner canyon which is just in perfect condition um then you're a fool and so I was. I was out mountain biking in Corner Canyon, went out with a friend of mine, and we were going to conclude by coming down Levitate, which is one of the new flow trails uh, that uh, was built just this year. And it has a lot of tabletops. That's sort of its signature feature. And I'm not great at those. And my bike, I, you know, I, I have two mountain bikes. Both are hardtail. Um, you know, both are real great cross-country racer rigs. And I also am just not super talented on that kind of thing. And I came down off of one of the tabletops uh, way too far forward, uh, nose first, and just, you know, I I honestly don't remember. I wish that I had a follow me drone always filming uh, so that I could see what I look like when I wreck. But uh, I went down hard on the side of my head uh, and apparently on my left leg, um, and I'm pretty scraped up. Uh, I'll be interested to go take a look at myself in the mirror after this podcast because I'm going to guess that I have a pretty good shiner in my left eye, and I've been super unexcited about going over my helmet to see whether I have, in fact, broken two helmets in two weeks. Mm. <laughs> so- <laughs> No, so the, great thing, but, the great thing about doing a podcast with Fatty is in addition to being a, a wonderful man on the mic and with the audio, he's great with the pictures. So Patrick and I each got a photo texted to us from Fatty post-crash. And this is like, this supposed to be minutes after the crash, Fatty. Yep. So yep. Uh, as your faux doctor here, what I'm seeing is a cut or an abrasion above the left eyebrow and then an additional dent in your head above the left temple. Is there more than that, sir? The one right on the temple is the one that really hurts. The The picture that you have, and which I, of course, tweeted because I live in social media, is it's a lot more grisly in the picture than it is in real life. Like most crashes, uh, you know, you, blood and dirt mixed together and uh, creates a great effect. Um, but the the... The cut itself is probably no more than half an inch long, and uh, I have made the executive decision to not even consider getting a stitch or two mm. for it. Although that was probably, I mean, that was a judgment call. Yeah. Um, the you know how when you uh, press your teeth together when you bite uh, that your temple a kind of flexes. Mm-hmm. When I do that, ah, man, that really hurts. So. <laughs> That's Ooh. that's the main thing. And, Don't do uh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with thanks tomorrow being Thanksgiving, uh, I'm going to be eating the soft foods. Fortunately, there is lots of mashed potatoes, and <laughs> then banana cream pie. <laughs> so I'm golden. Yeah. The two things I care most about are uh, are senior citizen friendly foods. All right. <laughs> so I'll have a plate of stuffing and a plate of stuffing. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So, but, you know, that said, I still wouldn't trade the ride that I did for anything. It's, it is so fantastic on Wednesday, you know, it's this podcast will come out on Thursday, the 23rd, but we're recording on Wednesday, the 22nd in the afternoon here in Alpine, Utah. It should be snowy. There should be six inches of snow on the trails and it is instead perfect tacky trail I was out there in shorts and a short sleeve jersey with arm warmers tucked into a jersey pocket because, frankly, I just did not need them at all. And mountain biking this time of year when you are not training and you are not caring about setting PRs or heart rate. You know, I don't even know where my heart rate monitor is. Guys, this is my favorite time of year to ride when it is strictly 100% just for fun. See, so. that's why I like riding year round. <laughs> oh, rub a little salt in me wounds, huh? Fair and, enough. And dirt in this case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, scrubbing that stuff out, that is not super fun. But you know, it's got to be done. Mm-hmm. So. So you're all cleaned yeah. up now. What, what? By the way, get, take us through your scrubbing process. Do you have a cocktail that you use in these wounds, or anything that you would recommend to the Paceline listeners? You know, I I keep it super duper simple, and I expect I'm probably no different if any different. Or, <laughs> First of all, you have a nurse in the house, so that must help I, some. I do a, a pain nurse, no no less, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, uh, and here's here is all the advice I've ever gotten from my wife, the pain nurse. Have some ibuprofen. Right. <laughs> really? Yes. She doesn't like keep milligrams. something special on hand just for family no. usage. Like Absolutely Norco. Not. I'm telling you, no. Norco. <laughs> uh, she is super averse to any of that. And uh, I am too. Uh, and as a result, we both have regular bowel movements. Um, <laughs> That's great. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so my scrubbing procedure is very, very simple. I have a, a, a synthetic loofah and, uh, or as Bill O'Reilly would say, a uh, falafel. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have such a good memory, apparently. Um, and uh, a bar of ivory soap that I use for this kind of thing. Super, super simple mm. soap. And I just, uh, it, depending on how bad it is, I will sit down for it. Um, or, but if it is, you know, in this case, it's on my head and I'm more or less bald. It's just stand under the water, get it good and wet, uh, rub the soap on the loofah and then scrub on it and don't let the pain uh, be a, any kind of indicator of when I stop. It's like when you can feel that, that there is no longer any dirt and the blood is flowing freely, then you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, rinse it off. And then when I'm out of the shower, I take a look at it and go, you know, that probably could use a, 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 a dollop of Neosporin. And I put that on and a bandage if it is bleeding and I need something to soak up the blood and I call it good. It is you know, it's that simple. I, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I assume there are people who have much more involved and sophisticated procedures, but this has worked for me my whole life, and uh, I'm planning to stick with it unless I hear something much better. Your, How about you guys? Do, yeah, is do your you have tet- a, wait? Is your tetanus up to date? 
<laughs> I believe it is, as a matter of fact. That's what they always I've, ask you when you're in the emergency room. You go to the doctor. I must have, last time I crashed, they probably asked me that like 10 times. Tetanus? Have you had a tetanus? When was the last time you had a tetanus shot? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's up to date. I'm good. No? They're like, yeah, make sure you've had a tetanus. You should call your doctor. See when you have had your tetanus. I couldn't remember. I was getting my, my head was spinning over the tetanus. Huh. It, so do you, do you have a ritual or procedure for the post race or the post crash uh, cleanup? A ritual? Yeah. How do you clean up? Or procedure. Is it more or less what I do. Procedure. Yeah. You know, it depends on where I end up. If I, you know, if I end up in a urgent care, I let them do it. They're they're great. Sure. They have all that hospital antiseptic stuff. It's great. But I keep some antiseptic here. Um, what is the stuff in the blue bottle? I don't even know the name of it. Your your wife Actine? would probably know. Yeah, that stuff. I keep that around. So if I have open wounds, I give those a good scrubbing. I get in the shower. I would say I probably yeah. shower first and get out, then scrub with any of the antiseptic stuff I have. Um, well, here's a couple of things that will go down in the Hottie household. Then, um, like you, I use um, some type of antibacterial ointment. Um, bandages if I need them, then always, always, if I have fallen and there's any sign of blood, the purple sheet comes out. No. The purple sheet goes down <laughs> on the bed, and it is what I wrap myself in when I sleep in our bed, the hottie bed. So I do not ooze any blood all over the precious sheets that line said bed. So the purple sheet comes out. It is the sheet I am allowed to stain with my said blood. That's very considerate. Very considerate. <laughs> How about you, Patrick? Uh, you know, it really depends. I mean, naturally, I'll, I'll do whatever scrubbing I need to. I've got some stuff I keep in or near the shower as necessary. Um, and then, yeah, I've got Neosporin, and I have my own selection of various bandages and dressings. I've got... I think three different sizes of Tegaderm in my cabinet. And I've got, you know, some gauze pads and I've got some things to wrap stuff with. Um, I don't have a special sheet. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that I can get idea. you one. I can you get know, you one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, turning a sheet pink is not my favorite. And I've done that. Oof. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you wake up. Tegaderm, though. That's, that's a little different. I don't have any Tegaderm. And that's a, that's the spray on skin. No, stuff, right? no, 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 no. This this is like the world's greatest saran wrap. It's adhesive. You you smack it on something, and nothing's oh. getting in or out for a week. Yep, you can hmm. shower with it on. It's magical stuff. Yeah. Because have you have you ever used the spray on skin? Oh yeah. Stuff? Oh yeah. That stuff will bring you to your knees with pain. I'll never forget a teammate. I sprayed it on him like right after he'd crashed. He'd gotten did back to act- start finish. And I, I did it kill him? Well, <laughs> here's <laughs> here's the funny thing. Like I sprayed it on him and he was like, ah, and moved away. And then I was like, wait, I'm not finished. He's like, I'd rather die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that stuff, I was like, I thought that's what Tegaderm was. I, I'll, I'll, I will look deeper into what tegaderm is because that sounds useful well it's the from the 3m corporation stuff just, so you know yeah. and, and it doesn't yeah. hurt to go on you've got to tap you know tamp it down a little bit to get it to stick but um this is a, a pain-free dressing unlike that one which is uh pain inflicting yeah yeah well 
I've learned something, and I will probably make a little purchase later on. Dude. Although I'm not sure that that is the kind of thing that's going to wrap around my head real well. <laughs> right? Now, speaking Dif- of your head, how, how are we doing there with uh, reaction time? Could you drive a car right now if you needed to? Are you dizzy? Uh, I have a headache, and You've I, seen his- I kind of want to— Leave it to you guys as to whether I am lucid. Well, I mean, the thing is, we've seen your driving skills with a Sprinter van. So I'm (laughs) thinking, you know, judging your driving skills right now is not really uh, a great basis for comparison. (laughs) Yeah, according to the uh, the Paceline concussion protocol, you should not be in front of a microphone right now. No, 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 no. I disagree. He definitely needs to be in front of a microphone if he's not all there. You have to to be Um, removed from the game for at least uh, three plays before you can re-enter the game. <laughs> I will I will simply participate in an advisory capacity for much of the rest of the show. You know, we ought to have a pace line drunk edition at some point. <laughs> oh, yes, here, here. I, I'm thinking sometime between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to have the pace line drinking game. You're going to love episode. my pace line pick. Oh, I bet. I bet. I always do. I always do. Okay. Let's move on to big topic number one. Yes, that's right. We actually have something planned. We're not just going to we, – yes, we shoot from the hip a lot, but that's not all we're going to do. Bucket lists. I have every single year uh, big races that I want to do, and I'm happy to talk about those. But I'm not one for really planning like rides that I feel like I need to do before i die um how about you guys are are, do you have things that you like you know five years down the road and i'm putting something together i am going to ride across europe i am going to ride i'm going to do the trans america race you know do you you, what do you guys have as far as bucket list rides go toddy oh you want me to go first really oh i thought you all but patrick patrick is lucky enough. He he travels the world, gets to write about his bucket list rides, which is pretty cool. Um, and actually, Patrick helped me achieve some of my bucket list rides. Here's the kind of position I'm in, Fatty. Though I'm kind of in search of that next bucket list ride. I have a couple of things that kind of come to mind, but I guess I'm kind of grasping right now for that next big thing to do. Patrick helped me lay out a, a great plan to go and ride uh, a nice portion of the Alps. Um, he said, look, go ride Quadrifera, Galibier, Telegraph, Alp de Wes, do that whole circuit. You'll love it. He was right. It was great. He pointed everything out on a map, do this road, that road, stop here. It was, it was a great, wonderful time in the French Alps. I also made my way down to Mont Ventoux, was able to get that ride in. Um, I've done, uh, going to the Sun Road, which I actually wrote about for RKP. That's in Glacier National Park. Heck, we Uh, featured it in an episode. Yeah, we did. We talked about it in an episode of The Pace Line as well. It's a nice, beautiful two-hour climb, a great thing to do uh, here in the States. Uh, but I guess I'm kind of – there's some local stuff I'd like to do. Figaro Mountain's a great local climb up in uh, Santa Barbara County, which for some reason I've never gone up. I don't know why. That's on my list. Hmm. But I'm kind of, you know, kind of grasping right now uh, for something to do. Um, and one thing uh, that seemed really intriguing, this is a friend of mine, actually, Bob Frank, somebody that, that Patrick knows, too, uh, from the South Bay here. He has just wrapped up, up a, a series of, of bucket list rides, if you will. It was a, the kind of thing that would make you say to yourself, damn, if I had the time, I'd love to do that. So uh, I caught up with Bob recently at the last of, of these bucket list rides he did. And 
course, where did this last bucket ride end? Nowhere else but a bar. Hmm. All right, we're here with Bob Frank, also known as Major Bob, uh, a good friend of mine, and we're celebrating, I guess, a trio of things here. A 50th birthday, a 50-mile ride, and 50 states. That's right. You've got all three on your plate right now. You're turning 50. You've been to all 50 states, and you've ridden 50 miles in each of those states. Tell me about this this idea. How did it come to you? Why did you decide to do 50 miles in 50? You had no choice. You had to turn 50. But why did you decide to do 50 miles in 50 states? You are correct. I do have to turn 50, as everybody does. And uh, the idea really came about from a... I'm the third third person removed, to be quite honest. Uh, a buddy of mine, Denny Fay. I heard rumors that he kept doing crazy things on his birthdays. I'm like, ah, oh, I got a big birthday coming up. What can I do? Then I found out a little bit further that he picked up the idea from a guy named Steve Edwards, who was kind of his mentor. So I am the, the third removed person from doing these things. And uh, I picked up on his, do some exciting for your 50th. And since I'm retired, I got time. Yeah. So you planned this thing, was there a structured planning? Did you put a lot of thought into it or did you just wing it? Uh, unfortunately, I did not put a lot of thought into it. Um, Sarah, my girlfriend, asked me what I was going to do. I'm like, well, I'm riding 50 miles in every state. Well, what direction are you going to go? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to go north <laughs> and then I'm going to go south and uh, kind of, ho- you know, hopscotched around. I also use it as an opportunity to meet up with uh, past friends uh, and kind of reconnect with what's going on around the country. That's, look, it's worked out awesome. Yeah. That's pretty amazing because you come from a professional life where things are very structured, very regimented. You you were a lifer in the Air Force and you just said, what the hell, I'm going to ad-lib this thing, which is kind of the complete opposite of how you spent m- most of your life. That is true. And uh, I was surprised every, just about in every state how awesome Every state has something to offer. Most impressed with friends of mine. I'd call them at 10 o'clock in the morning and be like, hey, I'm in Florida, you wanna get lunch? Sure, what time and where? Nothing about tomorrow, the next day it was, if you're here, we're going to lunch. And uh, reconnect with friends that way too. So did you drive to most of the states? or how, You do have a very nice van to get yourself around. When a, it was a retirement gift to yourself. How did you get to most of the states? What were some of the logistics involved? Yeah, it was 100% driving, except for Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, other modes of transportation I used, I took a, took a ferry into New York City from Staten Island. I uh, took the train into Washington, D.C. While it's not a state, I figured I couldn't pass it up. Uh, Took the Sprinter on a couple of ferries, across one across Lake Michigan, another across Delaware Bay. I mean, I drove and used whatever transportation was around. So f- 50 states, 50 miles, were these all road rides or were there some combination of dirt? How did, how did you work that out? No, uh, mostly road rides. But uh, in Durango, I rode the Colorado Trail for a mountain bike 50 miles. Uh, I rode my mountain bike in Washington, D.C gravel ride in Kansas, gravel ride in Nebraska. Uh, Hawaii was the rented mountain bike ride. It was, uh, so it's been pretty diverse. I brought three bikes and I rode three bikes. Okay, so let's get down to some pecking orders here. What was your favorite state and what was your least favorite state? Yeah, that's a, 
That's kind of a loaded question because <laughs> there's favorites about everything. And uh, how, do you, how do you pull out a favorite of a favorite? Uh, so from my pecking order, South Dakota was the best state to ride in, or at least was at least my best ride. The state may not be the best, but the ride I did leaving from Mount Rushmore, doing a 70 mile loop and ended up again at Mount Rushmore uh, was a highlight. The nature that's around, the buffalo, the deer, the donkeys, uh, a buddy of mine, Mark Newman, was riding with me. And uh, kind of the unexpected beauty of the place. I never thought of South Dakota as being awesome, but it really was awesome. So it kind of caught me by surprise, and I put it at the top. And is there one that would be down around 50th somewhere? Florida. <laughs> Without hesitation. Yeah, I need to explain that again to you, though. So this, I rode around Panama City Beach. I lived in Panama City Beach, so these were all roads I knew. I knew how boring it was going to be. I knew it was going to be hot and humid. And it was all those things. It was everything that people don't really enjoy. <laughs> and is there one you'd love to go back to right now? If we could transport ourselves, where would you be right now riding 50 miles? That's a good one. Uh, I would say South Dakota again, but it's probably cold and nasty in South Dakota right now. You know what? I think I'd take California again tomorrow. Yeah. Which is where we ended up, by the way, folks. Major Bob lives in California, but he completed the deal. Today we did the 50-miler. Even though you've probably ridden 50 miles here 50 hundred times, you did it. You, you did the right thing, and we're on practically the eve of your birthday, so it all kind of makes sense. So what's, what's next now? Are you can do the seven continents? What do you got next? Uh, I got to get with uh, Denny Faye and see what he recommends. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I might wait for 57 and maybe do the U.S. and Canada. Maybe throw Australia in there. I don't, I don't know. Puerto Rico could use your help. You could start doing some of the colonies, I suppose. There's ideas out there. Yeah, I don't want to do anything too hard. Uh, <laughs> make no mistake about it. This 50 and 50 thing was not difficult. Uh, anybody can do this, make up your mind. It took, there was probably 60 days of travel or so, so it's a time thing. Uh, but I didn't rough it. I either stayed with friends or stayed in the van, and the van stops anywhere. Plenty of Walmarts, some truck stops, just the side of the road in places. Uh, once in a lifetime camp spots in Maine. Like it, it's been everywhere, and it was easy. And as I told Sarah before, when I, this whole thing started, I said, Sarah, do you know what I'm gonna do if this isn't any fun? I'm coming home. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fret over not getting it done. I'm gonna turn around and come home if it's no fun. And every day's been awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a perspective a 50-year-old has. So you achieved it just a little bit earlier than most. So again, happy birthday, Bob. Congratulations on the rides, the mileage. It's great. We really enjoyed following you on Facebook. You know, if you were 20, you probably would have converted this into some type of YouTube thing, you know, and you would have made money off it. But instead, we're having beers here, and it's all good. Yeah, I did the best I could with the Facebook site of L-50-50. And then uh, there was at least 100 people on the ride today celebrating the last ride. Uh, everybody's more than happy to get together and have a good time, that's for sure. All right, Bob, thanks for being on the pace line, and again, congratulations and happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Again, that was Bob Frank, a.k.a. Major Bob, a friend of both Patrick and I's. I. You know, Bob Frank is probably not a name familiar to any of our Paceline listeners, or very few of them. And a lot of the folks he mentioned there, you know, people that Patrick and I are both familiar with, 
Um, but you know, the idea of what, what Major Bob did, that kind of free spirit nature, the openness he took to the whole idea, I think would go down as a, a bucket list thing for me. Not necessarily the ride, but the idea of just kind of throwing yourself out there, packing it up, putting your bike or bikes, plural, in a car, taking off and just checking out things and riding certain distances, you know, in, in certain states or certain countries. That just seems very cool and, yeah. and a legitimate bucket list item. I love What a fantastic no- idea. Yeah, yeah. And I love how no-nonsense Bob is. That's one of the things I really miss about riding with him. You know, he he his clarity about what he's doing from one moment to the next is pretty clear. He's super straightforward. You kind of always know where you stand with him. Uh, yeah, I, I really had hoped that I'd get a chance to do at least one of those rides with him, but just never quite matched up. Yeah. Yeah, just a buffet of what America has to offer in, in as far as writing goes. He so, really got a great sampling of what's right. out there. That's that's great. So, Patrick, you have uh, covered a lot of ground on bicycles in a lot of different places. Is there, first of all, are there one or two that stand out, and are there is there anything left on your list? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so I've done lots of bucket list stuff. You know, the Galibier, Alpe d'Huez, Fontoux, Tourmalet. You know, I've done those things, but when I think about the riding that I've done, you know, the question that you put to Bob, you know, what would I like to go back and do again right now? So the riding in the Cote d'Azur, above Nice in particular, I would go back in a heartbeat, just distal, not even distal and diastole, just, or systole. I, right now, tomorrow, I would go to Nice, no problem. I would also go to the very western Pyrenees and those lower mountains just above Biarritz and Bayonne. Mm. The, those were two places where the riding was just extraordinary. The thing for me is the nature. I can't say I ever had a conscious bucket list of, you know, something I put to a, a Word document or an Excel spreadsheet. But, you know, yeah, I had those things that I, I wanted to do the Alps, the Pyrenees, Tuscany, all that stuff. I still haven't done the Gavia. I haven't done um, the Mortarolo and some of those others, the Stelvio. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to do that at some point. But what I can say is that the nature of my bucket list has really changed. The things that I want to do now as a cyclist have really evolved from those traditional you know, road items that you would uh, check off the list. So I want to do bike touring again. Uh, I would really like to ride down the California coast, basically start in Crescent City and come down to Santa Rosa. Uh, That's something I'd like to do in the next year Mm -hmm. or two. I want to go back to Dirty Kansas, and I want to do the full 200 instead of just the half pint. That that is about as bucket list as I get. It's like, okay, sometime before I kick the bucket, I got to do that. And I think I'm going to go next, not next year, 2019. So, and then there's mountain bike riding uh, that I want to do. You know, for so many years, I really focused on strictly road riding. And mountain biking has become a much bigger part of my life for a few different reasons. One being spinal stenosis, but another being, oh my God, descending on a mountain bike is really, really fun. 
And so I want to explore the place I was yesterday, Jackson State Forest. It's a demo forest, and I want to go explore that place like crazy. I don't know that that really constitutes bucket list per se, but there's, you know, there's a whole lot of mountain biking that I, I still haven't really done. Downeyville. I want to go speak, spend a week in Downeyville. So mm-hmm. I've, I've got a list that is a very different list from what I would have told you, say, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So mine is pretty simple. A, cu- a few years ago, my wife and I uh, rode the Breck Epic in Breckenridge, Colorado, six-day uh, stage race, um, lots and lots and lots of single track. And I loved it so much that we said, we have to come back and do this again. And that went on to, I guess, our bucket list, and we are going to tick that off this year. Uh, so I'm going to take care of one of those bucket list items this year. Uh, the other one also has something to do with something that I've kind of done before. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we went to France uh, with one of Andy Hampston's tours, and riding in uh, some of the uh, some of the classic climbs with Andy Hampston and having him tell you about them uh, from his perspective as a racer is unbeatable. But where he really is at home is in uh, the Dolomites in Italy. He has more stories to tell, and that's kind of home to him. So I don't know if it's going to be in 2019 or 2020, but that is on the bucket list to go and do the Dolomites tour with uh, Andy Hamston's group. Not just the Dolomites, but actually on one of his tours, because having hearing his stories and his perspectives in context there in a place that he's revered and loved, uh, it makes the experience pretty amazing. So I'm stoked to do that again. So mm. those are my two bucket list rides. Mm, nice. Well. Yeah. And we asked, we asked our Twitter followers a little bit about, their, uh, about whether they have bucket list rides. And uh, just asked them at the beginning of this episode. And so far, I think you'll be interested to know that 38% of them say yes they have bucket list uh, rides, but they don't have them planned out yet. 24% say, yes, we have. I have a bucket list, and I've started planning it. 26% say, nope, they don't have a bucket list. And 12% say, bucket list. <laughs> As uh, I guess from the presumption that either they don't know what a bucket list is or don't plan to die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess they haven't seen Fight Club. On a timeline long enough, everyone's survival rate goes to zero. Yeah. (laughs) It is worth noting that Phil Guyman replied to the survey saying, it's a mason jar list for me. (laughs) Well, he's done so many already. (laughs) (laughs) He can use a much smaller container. Uh, Some really good comments in in, uh, both on Facebook and on Twitter worth checking out there. We had to put a link to uh, to that poll in the show notes but we won't remember because that's not our way plus one of us is concussed if i (laughs) if i uh if my double vision is any indicator tell you what guys i think it's time for us to take a quick break and when we come back let's talk about concussion protocol or something (laughs) like that or maybe thanksgiving or something good we'll be right back 
My freshman philosopher professor assigned this exercise and called it a bucket list. We were supposed to make a list of all the things we wanted to do in our lives before we kicked the bucket. Cutesy. Pointless now. We could do this. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're a cyclist. And because you're a cyclist, you can save up to 25.5% on your life insurance by purchasing it through Health IQ. In addition to all the usual information you give for insurance, such as age, gender, height, weight, and nicotine use, the amount of riding you do each week is considered, and you can take quizzes that may reduce your payments further. It turns out that knowing what it takes to be fit has its own value. Health IQ knows that people who ride have an 18% lower risk of heart disease, a 28% lower risk of overall mortality, and a 45% lower risk of cancer. So drop by healthiq.com forward slash paceline podcast to get your free no obligation quote. And the pace line is back. Hottie, Patrick, and Fatty. And if you are listening to this on the day we release it, uh, it's Thanksgiving. And it is our fervent hope that as you listen, you're eating some pie. <laughs> because really, that's the most important thing about Thanksgiving, if you ask me. Guys, is food a huge part of your Thanksgiving, or are you far too disciplined for that kind of thing? Oh, hell no. Discipline? Thanksgiving? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> it is nice that Thanksgiving sort of on the backside of uh, any training regimen that uh, even the disciplined riders. Think Unless about. you're cyclocross. That's what do those true. guys do? <laughs> That's true. That's got to be hard. I'm very difficult. I, you know, I will say, I actually, there is some discipline I exercise on Thanksgiving. My nature or my version of discipline in Thanksgiving is to definitely pig out, but to try to avoid getting to the point where I've so thoroughly overeaten that I think I'm going to puke. So I try to avoid mm -hmm. that, but that means that I also have to exercise a certain amount of strategy in that I want to make sure I eat all the things that are delicious. So you have to pace yourself because if there's more than one great dessert, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I can't miss out on a good dessert. That's just, that's unacceptable. And I'm not going to do the bad eight-year-old thing of starting with dessert. So I, I generally have to be careful. <laughs> oh, well, um, allow me to recommend that you eat one dessert, then you take a nap, and then you have some more of the other dessert. <laughs> uh. Look, they serve stuffing for a reason, so I can stuff my face with it. And I, yeah, I, I am a good eater. I have no problem on Thanksgiving uh, downing a, at least a couple of plates full. I mean, full, you know, stacked with everything. Mm. The only thing that'll, so, the only thing that'll cause me to show some discipline is something maybe I don't like. Like, you know, I was never one for that ambrosia salad thing. Mm. Keep that away. You like that thing? 
No, that stuff's gross. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, it, it's what down, is that even made of? Like marshmallow and fruit and Jello. Je- uh, thank you, Jello and some just oh, odd but, product. But we don't we don't like it. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't. So I think that we all uh, agree that we are going to eat either to or beyond the point of discomfort. <laughs> but how about before that? Uh, do you guys have a pre-face stuffing tradition or do you uh and i'm thinking like a ride football game what do you do we're cyclists of course we have a tradition Mm -hmm. we go for a ride right do you do you ride before or after before i mean Mm -hmm. that that's how you make your appetite right Uh uh-huh you make room (laughs) yeah my my previous tradition would be i used to have to work on thanksgiving all the time and so i would ride to work and then my wife who would have the day my wife's home in fact right now she's actually working on thanksgiving right now she's making a pie in the other room oh what kind of pie uh pumpkin she'll do pumpkin but my previous tradition, i would ride to work my wife would drive to her folks place which is in eastern la county and from our house door to door i want to say it's uh uh, about 65 miles somewhere in there so i would ride to work which was 15 to 20 and then i would ride from work out to their place um kind of a flat ride but generally into a window a little bit of a headwind and by the time i got there the tank was drained i was ready to you know consume stuffing to stuff Mm -hmm. stuffing um which i did now that those days are gone so that uh, tradition is gone. Um, but, you know, there's enough rides in L.A. that you can get up and catch a group ride even on Thanksgiving morning. There's holiday rides and all kinds of nonsense that can go on that, so you can create yourself a little deficit so you can overfill and um, become a glutton. So you'll do <laughs> the holiday ride tomorrow, Hottie? No, actually tomorrow I'm not. I'm on the road very early tomorrow morning. Tomorrow the, the whole hottie tradition's been thrown out the window because I'm on the road. I got to go see dad tomorrow, mom and dad. So I'll be driving very early tomorrow. But I will try to either squeeze in a ride, maybe Thanksgiving Day sometime before the feast, or for for certain the day after. There'll be some type of of pedaling or walking or some type of movement will be needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my family actually has this very interesting tradition, not Thanksgiving, but the day, the morning after Thanksgiving. And I think this comes from my father's kind of Midwest roots. Um, his mother was born in Iowa. His father was from South Dakota. His grandfather had a farm. They love butter. Um, and the thing that they would do is the morning, the Friday morning after Thanksgiving, out would come the turkey carcass. And the hottie clan would gather around the carcass like birds of prey and pick flesh off the carcass. And then we would toast bread and smear it with butter and stack the turkey on those pieces of toasted bread and munch it down for breakfast. Turkey and toast is (laughs) a hottie family tradition the morning after Thanksgiving. And for sure, that will be going on the day after Thanksgiving. I have literally never heard of that being consumed. This is a mm-hmm. first. Turkey and toast. Not the stuffing, not the leftover potatoes, not wow. the leftover ambrosia. It is simply the turkey, the toast, and the butter. I mean, Those is that super ingredients. dry? No. I mean, my mother, what she would do is when she put the turkey in, she'd cover it with a uh, kitchen towel or something like that, a cloth towel, and then foil mm-hmm. it too. 
and that would keep it you know, but the reason why you smear the toast with butter is to yeah. add moisture back into the turkey so lots of butter on the toast yeah. and the turkey yeah and the skin okay, mm-hmm. okay. wow and avocado no <laughs> that's not midwest see this comes from a midwest background bread avocado butter is meat that's what it is <laughs> shut up and let us have our tradition <laughs> um see i i have a slightly different situation i'm the main guy in charge of the food this year what really yeah no don't act so surprised my name's fatty dude <laughs> well, i thought I that was more for consumption than cooking uh you know to truly truly be the fat cyclist you gotta love to cook not just to eat um and that is me. I do love cooking as much as I love eating. Um, which do I love more, cycling or cooking? Cycling for sure, but, you know, they're on the same spectrum. Mm. But, so how do I get in my ride? How do I get in my ride when I'm, in, I'm the guy in charge of cooking? There's a poser for you. And you think that I'm the only one who's got that question? I guarantee you I'm not. No, no, definitely not. I, yeah. But now the question I have is, is you know, a, a little, we got to hit the way back or, or at least rewind a little bit. Do you ordinarily have some sort of ride tradition on Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, normally I got something. Normally I do have a ride. But normally, I'm in charge of no more than, say, 50% of the cooking. This time, I'm the guy. Well, you say I'm some always, sort I'm of... Always, you say some I'm sort always, of ride. Yeah, sure. No, no, no. It's a tradition Nothing if it's big, the same though. ride every flipping time. Okay, I don't have that. Oh. I, I don't have a special ride I do on Thanksgiving. It's, you know... Do this. Ride. You still have the Wahoo Kicker, right? I sure do. Well, just grab your whisk, and you can like go out there, and as you're whisking your gravy, <laughs> sit on your kicker and spin while you whisk your gravy and mash your potatoes. Dude, so just start moving genius. kitchen equipment out to wherever your Wahoo kicker is, and I think He's you can get your ride the into the calories away. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Okay. If anyone has better ideas than Patrick or <laughs> I didn't have any ideas. I well, just had questions. Any idea would be better than yours. Um, so... <laughs> Please leave them in the comments or wherever you'd like. Tell you what, guys, let's see what's uh, what is new in the world of cycling news. Cycling news. Oh, we need yeah. a cycling yeah. We need a ticker for this segment, don't we? Cycling <laughs> news. We should. One minute of cycling news. One minute, right? And now here now the news. Um, you know what? First, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab for something. Um. That's a bit personal, and not personal, but matters to mm. me more than it may to the entire audience. And that is the fact that the tax plan that's been released by the Senate majority has now taken away the $20 per month um, tax-free contribution an employer can make to an employee who rides their bike to work. They've left everything else in place that allows for incentives to, i.e., van pool or get on public transportation but for some reason, the Senate majority leadership has stripped away the bike commute incentive uh, that allowed employers to give $20 a month to employees. I say boo on that. But that is the Me le- too. Yeah. Um, the other big uh, news item, story number two here. Where's my ticker? I need my ticker now. Thank you. Uh, Fabian Conchalara, a.k.a. Spartacus, has challenged um, a former co-host of the Pace Line, Phil Guyman, to race. Conchalara says, race me, Phil Guyman. This, 
after Phil the Thrill repeated rumors in his book that Conchalara may have used mechanical doping to win the Tour of Flanders and Perry roubaix back in 2010. Uh, hmm. This originally, guys, was much feistier. Conchalara has sicked his, had sicked his lawyers on Phil Guyman, uh, asking that the book be pulled from shelves, asking for an apology. Phil, of course, said, come on now. I'm not going to apologize. It's, he's repeating a rumor. Uh, now it's kind of kind of toned down a little bit. Conchalara is saying, hey, why don't you just come race me? I'd be curious to see how much watch you can put out. Start training. This, this came out in a tweet, in fact. He wrote, hashtag, yeah. no motor needed. That was his hashtag on the tweet he sent to Guyman. Uh, Guyman has responded to the challenge. Are there cookies, he asks. Of course, Phil loves cookies. But I sense this thing is kind of toning down a little bit. It's, it's, it was pretty contentious at first, but maybe they're backing yeah. off. In, in a way, I mean, that exchange, if you look at it just in the uh, on the merits of the exchange itself, it comes off as kind of dorky. I mean, but I, I kind of I like the meta uh, the meta conversation that is happening there. Which is uh, Cancellara say you know backing down in a way not not in a negative way that hey you're tougher than I am but you know backing backing off from the extremely forward leaning position and saying hey let's make this into a friendly contest and while the whole do you have more watts than I have thing is kind of confusing because it, that has nothing to do with it I think he's trying to convert it into a a friendly joke, a friendly contest, as opposed to a legal thing, mm-hmm. and I'm all for that. And I like the way that Guyman replied, not saying you know the things that he could have. Watts have nothing to do with it, etc. But instead, also joking, saying, "Hey, do you have cookies?" Right? That that it, it sort of it, it, it was brought back to more neutral, friendly ground. And in that sense, I am for it. Yep. I, I'm a fan of Conchalara's. I really like Phil Guyman too, and I'm glad mm-hmm. this is taking this path now. It seems like the right way to take it. Uh, look, Fabian, <laughs> what's been said has been said, and Phil is just repeating that in a book. I understand it doesn't go away like it would on a podcast, as you, but it's going to be there a while. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. And Phil, Phil being Phil, there, you know, he's he's got a great way with words, and I like how he, in the end, he settled it too. Um, the third item here in I our news, say, what's that? I, I will say, before you get to the third item, if you haven't, head on over to Cycling Tips at some point and read Peter Flax's uh, humorous essay on why I hate Phil Guyman. Yes, um, yes. Which talks yes. a little bit about this. Uh, very great satire from uh, Peter, and I am just, I don't know, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Peter the more I read him. The guy is... He's hilarious and he's insightful, and I kind of am curious to ask Phil, "Hey, what do you think of that uh, of that piece?" Because my guess is Phil loved it. That's just a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, have to see. But uh, what is weird is in Cycling Tips comments, um, like eighty percent of the people either didn't get it or say that they got it, but didn't think it was at all funny. Which makes me sad for cycling tips. Um, <laughs> there is so much great work going on there, and to have a readership be so, I don't know, uptight, dry, uh, clueless, dry, and unfortunate. So, I don't know. Uh, don't uh, don't stop writing because of the haters, Peter. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say. 
Uh, well, as you guys well know, e-bikes have become very popular these days, so popular that even Pinarello is getting into the game. They have a bike out now. Now They call the Nitro, and they are marketing that bike. Unfortunately, their little marketing campaign is, man, it's really rubbed people, some people, that is, the wrong way. Um, they Pinarello stated in its uh, marketing press, in its press release, I should say, that the Nitro, that's the e-bike, the Nitro is a bike for those who are out of shape because they have no time. It is a bike to train so women can follow the pace men are riding with, um, which is the phrase that really caught people off guard. Here's the, actually the quote. I'll read the quote. Nitro aims at a wide target from the one that has no time to train but would never miss a weekend ride with friends to women who would like to follow easily the men's pace or even the ones who desire to experience cycling as a new way of life. And so the part about women ha- wanting to follow a man's pace is the thing that's really caught everyone off guard here and mm-hmm. caused uh, some folks to say, hey, what the hell here? You know, women can ride with men just as easily. They don't always need a motorized bike to do so. Um, and I, is, I, one of you said there's an update on this story too. Has Pinarello like issued an apology about all this now? Well, yeah, in as much it- as an Italian company will. <laughs> they pulled the ad off of social media and have issued an apology is what I saw. Um, and I, I almost have to wonder if that was intentional. You know, hey, what if we went out with something really lame and insulting and we'll get talked about? And really? it's better to be talked about at all than including in a negative light than to just fly under the radar. It almost has to be that way, right? I mean, no, if it was a mountain bike company based in, you know, the Western United States, then yes, absolutely. This is an Italian company. They don't get it. They, they've never gotten it. They still don't get it. I don't know when they will get it. Yeah. Hmm. It's yeah. It's a really just ham handed. I don't know. Just, Tone deaf, tin eared <laughs> uh, ad. In that case, it's, I I think that they understood something and then missed the mark entirely. I think there is a great writer's case for uh, someone who doesn't have the power or the experience to ride with a friend or significant other or a, you know or a stronger parent or a or a stronger. you know child you know there's all kinds of people who are who like to be with each other but there is a mismatch in power right that doesn't have anything to do with gender (laughs) it's you could you can express the same idea here but just do it gender neutral you don't have to there's no reason to use this type of language i mean are they really paying a marketing firm to come up come up with this no, this I don't think here? so. That was clearly ESL. Okay, you can you can just hear the the translation as you read that press release. So someone was paid to translate the Italian marketing company into English. That's part mm-hmm. of why I'm so cynical about you know was was this some uh, created situation? You know, did they game the system to try to create you know a flap? And it's like no, they're just clueless. Hmm. Okay, well, Pinarello, Pinarello has new ownership, too, so they have a new corporate owner. That's something for them to take on as well. That's the news, Fatty, so now you know. Wow, that was fast news. We should, <laughs> we should always do fast news. We need sound effects, too. Maybe to we should, should do fast. e-assist news. 
Yeah, right. How about if right. I start doing sound effects? For the anchors who can't keep up, e-assist news. Get yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was delightful. Mm. <laughs> Let's move on to the paceline picks, guys. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I'm going to blame that one on the concussion. Patrick, RKP, what is coming up on RKP? Oh, well, we've had some fun stuff of late. Um, I've got uh, two reviews of waterproof items from Showers Pass, the Crosspoint glove as well as the Crosspoint sock. And I am not entirely thrilled to say that I've had more than adequate opportunity to review those things of late and have found them to be wildly successful. Uh, I also recently published uh, a review of the uh, Mozzie uh, Vivo Quattro, which is part of, you know, what's really the new wave in road bikes right now. This is a, a disc brake road bike and uh, features clearance for bigger tires. So this thing was specced out with 30 millimeter tires um, and it's just dynamite, you know, hydraulic discs, big tires, um, more relaxed geometry so that you don't have to bend over and and you know kiss your knees it's a it's a pretty dynamite bike and so that's that's something well worth checking out sweet and is that your paceline pick as well nope nope <laughs> not no? by a long shot oh <laughs> but what is your paceline pick <laughs> well do you remember all the various forms of artwork from alice in wonderland you know, there was no. there was always the, the caterpillar uh, that was sitting on the mushroom with the hookah. And no matter which version, you know, whether it was Ralph Steadman's art or some other illustrator, the centipede would be, uh, the caterpillar would be sitting on this red, uh, red toadstool with these white flecks on it. And it looked pretty strange. Well, that particular toadstool mushroom fungus is uh commonly known as the fly agaric uh, or fly amanita most properly amanita muscaria and yesterday when i was in jackson state forest up in mendocino county i actually saw two of them in the wild for the first time in my life um, and it was just one of those things like, okay, I thought this was a pretty trippy place. And now we can conclusively say that quite literally, this is a trippy place because Amanita muscaria is also known as a magic mushroom. <laughs> so your baseline pick is magic mushrooms? Yes. Now you're supposed to have a, <laughs> of course uh, it is. you're, you're supposed to have a, a permit from, uh, from the state in order to pick mushrooms there. So, you know. And I'm sure you did. Who's to say I picked one? Exactly. You didn't even pick one, and if you had, you would have only done so with a permit. Right. I think I think that's what we're going with. Yes. Is that right? Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to go next, okay? Okay. The Specialized Prevail 2 S-Works helmet is a fantastically comfortable, lightweight helmet that you hardly even know is on, and is incredibly expensive, like more than $200, and I'm pretty sure I just broke mine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, unlike, unlike the helmet I broke last week, and 
honest, guys, I you know, I have three helmets or had three helmets, and I think I'm down to one. I'm really scared to check uh, on this prevail, uh, which means that I really like this helmet um, and don't want it to be broken. It's a comfortable helmet, more comfortable, I think, than any helmet I have ever had. What that might just mean is that it fits my head shape really well, but it's also really light, really nicely ventilated, and it just kind of gets out of the way. So my hope is that the helmet I just crashed with is not busted. But I also kind of worry that sometimes you can't tell, and if I hit hard enough to uh, bruise myself through my helmet, probably time to replace the helmet. Mm -hmm. And I also want to do an unpick on the pace line. What's an unpick? An unpick is where last week I did a pace line pick on the iPhone X uh, because my claim was that uh, I could have my helmet and glasses on and hold the phone up to to me and it would recognize my face anyway and unlock making it really easy for a helmeted gloved glass wearing rider to unlock their phone and use it as they need to um it did it just fine in the garage (laughs) but out outside in the bright sun uh it is i've not successfully ever unlocked it uh using the face ID while wearing a helmet. So is this a retraction? Yes, this is a pace line unpick. I'm not going to call it a retraction, dude. That would imply that I said that I was wrong. Um, (laughs) But I'm unpicking it, depickifying it. And with that, Hottie, please rescue me and give me your pace line pick. Okay, you know, I have always thought highly of Shimano's mechanical front shifting, especially the stuff labeled... Durace. Since 9-speed, I've not missed a generation, and I've loved them all. Yes, I even like Shimano's second trip down 10-speed lane, the 7900 series. This was Shimano's attempt at getting rid of the front derailleur trim. Most people complain, but I actually liked it. The 9000 series, the first 11-speed group, also had its detractors when it came to the front mech. Folks found the setup to be tricky, and it was, and that long arm was ugly, and I'd concede that as well. But when push came to shift, it did. Some credit has to be given to Shimano's chain rings. They are carbide reinforced, stiff and strong, and the ramps are well-timed. And now, Shimano has done it again. My new bike needed a front derailleur. This is my independent fabrication that I bragged about a couple shows ago. While most of the parts transferred over from a previous ride, That ride had 9,000 series, by the way. The front derailleur did not because my 9,000 derailleur was a Brazon, and the Indy Fab bike has no Brazon tab. So I thought, hey, let's get a new front derailleur. Oh, I could have gotten one of those silly adapters for the Brazon and just kept the 9,000. But instead, I used this as an excuse to get Shimano's latest, the 9,100 Durace front derailleur. Sound the horns. Yes, it is compatible with 9,000 shifters. Yes, it is easier to set up. Yes, it is prettier. And yes, it does shift with absolute precision. I love it so much that I will go into my garage. In fact, just before recording this podcast, I went into my garage. I loaded the Indy Fab into the work stand. And I did some front shifts just to watch and listen to the magic. The cable finishing is a little odd. It kind of loops back on itself and passes through this special plastic guide 
It also covers the cable pinch bolt. But it's sweet, and I look forward to small ring, big chain ring movement with my pace line pick, the Shimano 9100 Durace front derailleur. Now that's gear geekery. You're it such is awesome. Geeks. To, I know. Total <laughs> geek. I love nerdery like that. I really do. And uh, I feel you, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. And I believe that that is a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. If you haven't been to Apple Podcasts to rate and review us, we are 30% less thankful for you than we would have been if you had. <laughs> if you have, we're 30% more grateful than our baseline gratefulness. Anyway, go re- go review us and then have some pie. It's calorie-free, honest, if we tell you it is. For our Hottie and Patrick, I'm Fatty, and this is The Pace Line. The sound of pure awesomeness.